Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champions, so for coverage of the game and everything that happened in Miami, check out the Ringer NFL show for their game recap. And on the site, you can read Danny Heifetz on Andy Reid, Roger Sherman on Patrick Mahomes, and Robert Mays on Kyle Shanahan's Super Bowl Deja Vu. On the Ringer's YouTube channel, make sure to check out Slow News Day with Kevin Clark live from Miami with a bunch of special guests like Miles Teller and Glenn Powell. You can watch and subscribe at youtube.com slash the ringer. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. What's up, Amanda? How are you? I'm great, Juliette. How are you? Great. Just, um, I feel like we're kind of like getting back to like standard celebrity output, you know? I feel like we've had a lot of peaks and valleys with the Megxit and everything. That's true. And this week is like just hitting a lot of evergreen core celebrity topics. We're going to talk about Billie Eilish in Vogue and the latest the Jeff Bezos and Lauren Sanchez. A little Brad Pitt because it's award season. And of course, Kanye and Kim in Architectural Digest. But first, let's talk about the Super Bowl. Yeah, I just wanted to say I really enjoyed the Super Bowl halftime show, and I would love to have more Jennifer Lopez and more Shakira in my life. That's where I am. I've already watched it three times. Okay. What is your favorite part? When Shakira comes back on stage in her gold outfit. Yes. She looks so great. My least favorite part is when she crowd surfs for Hips Don't Lie. Who crowd surfs for Hips Don't Lie? That's true. And then I believe when she gets back on stage, she's kind of in the center of the circle, and there are a lot of other people obscuring her hips while they are not lying, which is, again, not the point of the song. Generally, I have to say, with love and respect to Jennifer Lopez, who has meant and continues to mean so much to me, Shakira is the underrated aspect of this Super Bowl experience, I feel. I definitely agree. First of all, Waka Waka, the World Cup song, is mm-hmm. just an absolute banger. Yeah, I, very, I love it. Very excited when that showed up. <laughs> me too. And she just is, like, so unique. Her voice is unique. Her career is unique. Her fame is unique that it was just exciting to see her on that stage. I have to also say her dancing is unique. And I could watch it for a very long time. So talented. Yeah. The only thing was that I was bummed. Estoya Key was not a part of the halftime performance, right? Yeah. Really love that one. Have a very vivid memory of one night at college, very late in the evening, possibly after a couple of adult beverages, I just, like, sat there desperately trying to memorize all the words to Estoya Key. I have to tell you, I was studying Spanish at the time, but I am not a great speaker of Spanish, and it didn't go very well, but that is how much I love Estoya Key. (laughs) I'm really sorry for you. I feel like you've been revisiting College Amanda a lot. This is on brand. Well, yeah, Sundance really just brought back a lot of those feelings. It was a very college-esque experience. And then I guess I've loved Shakira for a very long time. Yeah, she's just been famous for so long. Yeah. I have to say, I found um, JLo's daughter and all of the young women on stage also, like, very powerful and very sweet. And I just found it, like, really nice. And I was like, this is such a great antidote to, like, the National Football League. I also like that the voiceover was like, the National Football League presents. And it's like, we get it. It's the NFL. Yeah. I just thought it was funny they used the whole name. I don't know. It was great. Also, it was cool that it's like, basically, no one has said a bad thing about it. I think that no one in our world has said a bad thing about it. I have noticed that there have been some—I mean, it's the freaking internet. So there are always bad actors and people who have been— who are wrong and who have bad taste. But I do think it was such, like, a high-energy, exciting, like, jubilant performance that if you're not on board, you're missing the point of the Super Bowl halftime show. That's what totally. I have to say. Yeah. And also two, like, really athletic women in an athletic forum. Mm-hmm. 
I really enjoyed it. Glad you did too. Yeah. Super Bowl in general was kind of weird. The commercials were strange. Just a lot. Like a lot of celebrities, like more than was necessary in my opinion. Who was there? I have to be honest. I spent most of the time cooking, and I didn't really watch. Sorry, the I meant in the, com- in the commercials. Oh, like, okay. The commercials had so many. Yeah, but uh, I will say there's a lot of there's a lot of like Bachelor and reality TV representation. The Super Bowl's just gone too far. Okay, I guess that's just the nature of celebrity right now, or the nature of people who are allowed to do Super Bowl commercials. I will say here are the people I noticed in Super Bowl commercials: the kombucha meme girl. Mm. was in a commercial for like half a second and I got very excited and then I tried to explain to everyone I was watching with who the kombucha meme girl is and I kept doing the face and I was informed that I don't very do a very good version of kombucha meme girl face. Yeah, I don't even know who she is. Okay, I'll send it to you. I feel like you'd okay. be like, oh, that person. But And then I did notice in the Procter & Gamble ad that there were a lot of people being like, Hey, I love this Procter and Gamble brand, including Busy Phillips being like shout out Olay, uh, which I guess I like Busy Phillips, and I'm glad she's getting paid. I don't know. It was weird. I thought the Sabro so- the was weird. I was watching with one of my friends, and we were expecting more Real Housewives. It was just a quick shot of Teresa and, Ca- and uh, okay. Caroline Manzo from the Real Housewives of New Jersey. But uh, you know, it was all good. I just generally enjoyed it. Good Super Bowl. Enjoyed. Thank you. Yeah, good halftime show. I was fine with the rest. That's yeah, my review. Sure. All right, let's move on. Okay. On the cover of Vogue this month, Billie Eilish. Yes. Yeah, the, so, the young phenom. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about this not because I want to talk about the story or even necessarily the specific event of Billie Eilish being on Vogue, because I think that is like pretty obvious. Billie Eilish is She's the most she's extremely famous and the most like successful musician right now. So uh, and she also has a very specific visual style. So it makes sense for her to be on Vogue. I just kind of think like all the adults, including I guess you and me, woke up and were like, oh, I guess Billie Eilish is the only way we can communicate with the teens. And so we have to give her all four of the major Grammys or all five of the major Grammys. And we have to put her on all of these like we have to give her all the old school institutional support with the desperate hope that the teens will care about us. So, yeah, like she's like the way to understand the future. And I will say, I don't really care for her music. Bad guy is good, I suppose. I find the rest of her music just either like unremarkable or boring, straight up boring. However, people who like know about music, like, you know, Lindsay Zolads really wrote about her for The Ringer quite some time ago. They make a good case that, like, her music is good and matters and is forward-thinking and all that. Like, again, it just makes me feel old. But I... I I don't find any level of connection to Billie Eilish as an artist or as a celebrity. It's kind, it's kind of like a real gut check moment. It's a little bit of a bummer. Yeah, we're definitely old, and that's part of the reason I want to talk about it. I, you know, I don't either, but as we were discussing before we did the podcast, like, it's just, it's so not for you or me uh, at this point as two grownups. It's just not our target audience and probably not our target music or and it's not my target visual aesthetic though I do appreciate that she seems to have like a real sense of style and who she wants to be in the world like which is part of being a pop star right there is always a a a visual and larger like narrative component to it that she definitely has pinned down at a very early age but you know it's it's not for me I just think it's so interesting when when the adults or when the grownups try to latch on. And I'm curious how long we're going to live in Billie Eilish land and whether 
like whether the teens and the and the audience who is so invested in her actually responds to things like Billie Eilish being on the cover of Vogue or Billie Eilish winning a lot of Grammys or Billie Eilish being in you know she's doing the James Bond theme song which for the for the new James Bond movie that comes out in April oh she is yeah which I think is hilarious uh, because do you think that like fifteen year old knows what James Bond is. I don't know. Maybe that maybe that's disrespectful to 15-year-olds. And if you are a 15-year-old listening to this podcast, like please let me know. But I find it so interesting when you reach like when a celebrity reaches a, a mass tipping point like this. And it's so hard to do right now. It's so hard to be as everywhere as Billie Eilish is in this moment. Totally. Yeah, totally. And I'm just like impressed that she's able to harness her platform, I guess, the way she has. Because it just seems like a lot of her success is, like, really, for lack of a better term, organic. Like, where did she come from? Like, how did she rise up? Like, I feel like I caught the wave kind of late. Like, what was, like, her first, like, big thing? So she started on SoundCloud. She uploaded a song called Ocean Eyes. She writes all her songs with her brother, Phineas, and they do it together. And they do it mostly in their home in Highland Park where they still live with their parents. Highland Park, uh, Los Angeles, California, I should note. Not Illinois. Not Illinois. So she's kind of like an authentic songwriting genius, or and she and her brother anyway. They, she has real talent, but I think it was just kind of internet and teens latched onto her and then she does all the like video things on Spotify and Instagram. You know, it's like it's it's the normal blueprint. I I suppose you could compare it to Justin Bieber mm. in the sense of very young person at a young age, internet breakout, young teen fan base it goes mega, 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 mega famous. I right. that's sort of the blueprint with a bit of SoundCloud, you know, thrown in. Sure. I think what's di- what like differentiates her from someone like Bieber or even like a some of the other predecessors is she seems to also like really be interested in like being political, but like in a like in a new way. Like she wants to like stand for something and kind of stand up against things without necessarily identifying with like a party or a cause as we might recognize it. Yeah, there's a darkness, and she talks a lot about. Mental health, both in her interviews and her songs, can be, you know, if I feel like they, they there's like a lot of parent frenzy around some of the content of her songs because they're pretty dark and and deal with depression and other issues. So she certainly has a a point of view, but you're right that it's not like the type A. Here's my platform. Here's my branding. Here's what I'm going to. Here's what I'm trying to accomplish and the message that I want to get out, even though I think there is a real strategy in art to the way that she's positioned herself. Right. Yeah, she's really fascinating. I guess I'm curious also, like, how she grows up because she's very much, like, famous teen, mm-hmm. but I wonder how that translates into adult success. Right. And does being a famous teen in all of these typically adult celebrity bastions, like, translate to adults or to teens, or do you kind of get— the message mixed between the two. I'm curious. I think I don't think that Billie Eilish is the, the era of Billie Eilish is over in any way. I think she's just going to be like everywhere even more in the next year yeah. or two. I think you kind of like can't overstate how much we're going to be hearing from her, but it'll be interesting to see how the various audience spaces respond to it. Totally. 
Billie Eilish, you have so much ahead of you. Mm -hmm. Can't wait to see what happens. (laughs) Let's move on. Next, Jeff Bezos and Lauren Sanchez update. Yeah, there are two parts to this update. One is that they are involved in some legal situations, even though they're trying to get the case dismissed. And the other is that they were partying at the Super Bowl. Should we start with the legal stuff? Sure. Which I'm mostly going to point people to a very helpful New York Times piece written by Michael Rothfeld and Jim Rutenberg that is just summarizing the ups and downs of the last few months. We never really talked about how Jeff Bezos alleged, or maybe people close to Jeff Bezos alleged, that he was hacked by by Saudi Arabia and uh, specifically by someone— Related to Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, yes. which which has not been proven in any way. I just want to get on this on the record. But there was a whole story about how possibly the leaked texts, including I Love You Alive Girl, one of the great moments of 2019, were retrieved via a video sent via WhatsApp from an account alleging to be MBS to Jeff Bezos after they'd met at a party. None of this has been proved, but that certainly set off a round or two of uh, news cycles, if you will. Yeah, (laughs) sure did. And then I think that it came out that none of that happened, and instead that it was Lauren Sanchez's brother who provided all the material to the Inquirer. So just where we started, it seems like it was her brother. Yes, but now her brother is suing Jeff Bezos and one of his associates for defamation because he's saying that he did provide the information, but to protect them, and also that he didn't provide the photographs. It's very, very confusing. His lawsuit also alleges that Jeff Bezos and Lauren Sanchez got together— or and then kept their affair secret because of a psychic. So I think it's probably this lawsuit is quite fun reading. Uh, Jeff Bezos is already moving to have it dismissed and saying that he has not defamed his like maybe brother-in-law the entire time. It seems like a real mess. Absolutely. It's super <laughs> messy. <laughs> I'm looking forward to many more court documents. That's all I have to say. Yeah, the court documents are great reading. I suppose it is messy because at the end of the day, this was a crime. Like, whatever you think about I Love You Alive Girl and Jeff Bezos and Jeff Bezos's place in, you know, the American corporate structure or whatever, these were private messages that were leaked. That That is technically, that's a crime. And I th- think I still believe in the right to privacy even if you're Jeff Bezos, though I'm going to have to think about that one and we don't have to get into politics. Anyway, it makes sense that it's a little messy. I, the multiple detailed explanations of how these photos got leaked, all of which are seem like they could come from a reality show and or like a political thriller, I didn't see that coming. There's definitely like a novel to be written based on the Jeff Bezos leaked text messages. You could you could fill in a lot and yeah. just like come up with it on your own. But there's a lot to jump off of. And man, is it exciting. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jeff Bezos is just partying at the Super Bowl and will not be deterred. He's just like out here. So he and Lauren Sanchez were, according to page six, in Miami, you know, on the party circuit. And then my guy, Jeff Bezos, took a photo with Lizzo at the Super Bowl and decided to post it with a caption. I'm just going to read it. 
I just took a DNA test. Turns out I'm 100% at Lizzo's biggest fan. I, I, uh, that's so dad embarrassing. That's it's so, so embarrassing. dad embarrassing. Imagine Jeff Bezos being your father. I mean, there's just so many levels and layers to it. It's just absolutely hilarious. And I understand that he's in a new phase in his life on a lot of levels and is exploring that, but it's pretty embarrassing. That's what I have to say. It must be rough for a lot of the people in his life because to like watch this kind of awakening or midlife crisis, if you want to be less generous, just must be really complicated. I think it's rough for everyone in his life and also literally every single person who works for him. I mean, you know, I again, I don't want to get too much into the this Amazon of it all, but like Jeff Bezos is a pretty complicated business figure. <laughs> Very complicated. I'm and like, meanwhile, meanwhile, he's just like at the Super Bowl, like tweeting lame Lizzo lyrics. I don't know. It's not the strategy I would go for. He also seems quite happy, you know? Yeah. yeah. Also, um, he and Lauren Sanchez were seen in New York last week having lunch with Anna Wintour. Oh, Anna yes. Wintour yes. In the West Village. Like, yeah. he's just like out and about. Like, he's le- he, he, for a long time, his name was really well known and like Amazon was Amazon, but he himself was not famous. I think in the last like 18 months, he's really become his own celebrity and seems to be absolutely adoring it. Yeah. And that seems dangerous to me. Yeah. Especially agreed. with the amount of attention being paid to your business practices and the, your corporate tax rate or lack thereof to just suddenly decide, okay, now I'm just going to go hit the party circuit and make myself really visible. And you're making yourself a target. And, and not and not for photo hacks, though that did happen. Again, we're not justifying legal behavior, but just in terms of if you're more visible, people are going to start asking questions, or they should. What I'm saying is I'm asking some questions. Uh, me too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like the theme of this podcast is I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the future. Because both Jeff Bezos and Billie Eilish, I'm like curious what happens to you next. Yeah, it's a good point. We're keeping an eye on it. Um, all righty, moving on. Brad Pitt did not go to the BAFTAs, but he did win a BAFTA. He did. And he had Margot Robbie accept on his behalf. And he gave a joke for her to read that made some people uncomfortable. And here is what he said. He goes on by thanking you again and blah, 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 blah. It's a bit much, really. Oh, and he says um, that he is going to name this Harry because he is really excited about bringing it back to the States with him. His words, not mine. Thanks. And then the camera panned to Will and Kate, who, like the good sports and trained professional people they are, just laughed and clapped. Yes. and, And kept it moving. That was the um, correct response, yeah. Good job by them. You mentioned this to me earlier after, I think, the SAG Awards um, when he told the jokes about Quentin Tarantino. You asked who was writing Brad Pitt's uh, award speeches. Mm -hmm. And when I saw this, I thought of that question. And I was like, oh, he definitely has a ghostwriter. Who wrote that one? Because I don't really think Brad Pitt cares about them exit, like, at all. There's a good chance he meets them. Yeah. But I don't think he cares. No. And there also, I believe the the first thing that Margot Robbie said was a a Brexit joke. It and it was just like, "Hey, Britain, heard you're single, recently single, like join the club." So he's definitely has a speechwriter. I w- have been trying to figure out. I have to assume it's it's someone like either on a late night staff or maybe. I don't, I, he, at this point, he's produced so many movies. He probably knows a lot of people in the comedy scene. 
at one point I was like, oh, maybe it's Lena Dunham because he has uh, struck up a friendship with Lena Dunham in recent years, as we've learned via Instagram. I really think it could be anyone, but there is definitely someone contributing jokes to Brad Pitt's award season experience. My question is how many people? Right. And do you think that he'll use them at the Oscars? Interesting. Yes, I think he will. Yes, I think he will. Although maybe that's the time to be a little bit more from the heart. But like, is that really the vibe that Brad Pitt's going for right now? No, but I have to say, and I just, I I love Brad Pitt as is well documented on this podcast and on many other podcasts that you and I have done together. We're getting a little close to like capital C comedy here. Yeah. I do want something a little less obvious when he actually wins an Oscar. That's just my opinion. I hope that he dials it back slightly. I don't know. If his ghostwriter is listening, you've done some good work. We really appreciate your service. And let's dial it back for the actual Oscar Awards acceptance speech. That's my request. Speak from the heart and maybe mention your children. Yeah, that's been interesting. I have to assume that he will at the Oscars. I read an argument that I thought was persuasive that he just doesn't want them in the spotlight. That's been such a fraught thing that just he's just not mentioning it in order to not start up the conversation again. And I can see that argument, especially for the less rewards. Kind of hard to not do it at the Oscars, though. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It would be, it would be really weird. Mm-hmm. Really, really weird. Yeah. Next, Kim and Kanye are in Architectural Digest this, this month. But they are. With their home. Which, like, I'm like, didn't we just do this? I think we did it for Kylie and Chris. Well, we also had that, remember they had to, like, walk back the bathtub and, like, the bathroom and everything a couple of months ago or, like, a year oh, ago? Oh, right, because how do the sinks work in the yeah. in the bath? That is a very good point. I guess so, we did part of it. Yeah. And, like, I don't think they moved. It still looks the same. And so I was like, I'm familiar with this home already. Like, what? I mean, I guess that might have been for Vogue, right? That was, I think, a 73 questions. Oh, yes. Um, good point. But I just was like, I've seen this home this is not an exclusive. I still would never want to live in it. And it still like bums me out. It's like a really high end but vacant cult headquarters. Yeah, it's not my particular. It's almost an absence of of style, if that makes any sense. It is kind yeah. of. It's anti-Kardashian. Yeah, there's a lot of just it's void as a design aesthetic. I think the pool looks very nice. And Kim says in the video that she's never used it, which is just sort of the summary of of this experience. There's more stuff in these photos than I expected. Like, I kind of couldn't believe that in their kitchen they had open shelving with bowls on it. Huge, huge mistake. It's not what I want either, but they seem to have such a spare, no stuff, no color, no clean lines aesthetic that I was surprised you were even allowed to have things in the kitchen. It just, it doesn't seem like a place that people live in. It, it doesn't seem livable at all, and it also doesn't seem like an expression of of self in any way. And maybe that is not purposeful, but maybe that actually is an expression of the people who are living in it, which is a pretty rude thing to say. But it doesn't seem to have a—there's no specificity to it. It's like—it's nothing as a design style. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. It's like minimalistic. And like vaguely Japanese inspired, but just sort of bland. I don't know. It's like a staged home that hasn't been 
fully staged. It's a, it's just an absolute no for me. I have a no interest in this. No amount of dollars. I don't even like the windows. And like, there's also no window treatments. I, I don't know. I, I don't like it, but I also have an extreme bias against these two. So perhaps I'm projecting. I think your point that it just doesn't feel new at all is a good one. I, I also had the thing of, oh, again, like we've seen this. I'm, yeah. I'm aware of their home. I'm aware of their design style. Maybe some of that is because even if you don't watch the show, you see snippets from the show on social media and it's just kind of their, it, in a lot of ways, I guess it is a stage for them to kind of live out their life that they document on various platforms. So you're familiar with it. But yeah, I was not particularly, I don't know. It wasn't the most exciting architectural digest spread that I've ever seen. How about that? What level of fame are Kim and Kanye at these days? I think they're still extremely famous. Still A++. But what, what about their earning potential, though? Has that taken a hit at all? Where are we? I, 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 just, I can't tell because I hate them, and I just blocked them out. I think that Kim's shapewear line survived its truly, its huge mistake of the original naming of Kimono, and then rebranded itself and is now uh, being sold and skims is what it's called. They just, all of the Kardashians, they sell stuff. Like they have things that lots of people want to buy and spend a lot of money on. So they make a lot of money. And I think that they are still extremely famous enough and they have platforms both on their show, but also like on the cover of Architectural Digest and on Instagram and all of the places that they have, they dominate. They have free advertising for all of the items that they sell. So I think they have very high earning potential. Totally. More earning potential than me. You're right. You know? You're right. I sh- <laughs> I'm just trying I, to take them down a notch. I mean, you don't have to buy skims, and I have not bought skims either. So, And I continue to block all of their names on Twitter so they don't come across my Twitter okay. feed. It's great. Yeah, it's great, to, great stuff. I have to say that I don't really— I'm not bombarded with them as much as I used to be. And I do think that this, that you are either kind of following them or seeking them out or that they, you just kind of have it upon them as as opposed to them being like the dominant central cultural force that they were a few years ago. That has moved on a bit. But, you know, it's so funny. We ended our end of the decade podcast being like, I would like to not talk about Kanye West versus Taylor Swift anymore. And here we are. Here we are in January. We were talking about Kanye and, and there was a Kanye versus Taylor part in the Taylor documentary. Yeah. And both of those people have found ways to reinvent themselves or to make themselves re-relevant in a new decade. So, you know, what that says to me is that like you and I will be 80 and still talking about Billie Eilish, which I, I, I don't know what to say about that. Dream bigger for us, Amanda. <laughs> I know. And I guess dream bigger for Billie Eilish in a way, too. If, if we're, you know, she probably has bigger dreams than being talked about by two people who are just like, huh. But yeah, I guess there is a certain level of fame that you achieve that you're kind of grandfathered in. And it's harder to get to that point. But then once you do... You have so many ways to reach people now and to stay in people's lives. We can't escape them. You're right. You're very right. Thank Um, you. Amanda, any desires? Outside of the awards, any desires from the Oscars? That's such a great question. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. I've been in such a funk about the Oscars because I think they're going to be very boring. 
And I liked a lot of the movies. And I don't think that all of the movies that I loved and that I I think a lot of the movies that you loved as well, Juliet, are going to win a lot of awards, which is kind of a bummer, even though the Oscars are meaningless. I really loved Parasite, and I, I don't feel it'll be winning. I don't either. I think if there's any chance for an upset, it actually would be Parasite, and that would be very exciting. But, you know, I like I loved Little Women, and I don't think that that's going to take home a thing. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood brought us a lot of joy, and obviously Brad Pitt will will be there, and that'll be very exciting, but not so much. Marriage Story made me cry a bajillion times, and I, I guess Laura Dern is winning for that, but otherwise— Nada. I, I just know. hope I just hope that Joaquin Phoenix makes everyone feel awkward with his speech. I hope for that. As mentioned, I hope that Brad Pitt mentions his children. Well, yes. I was just gonna ask you how you felt about Joaquin Phoenix. Um he's in two movies that I really love. I loved her, like one of my favorite movies of the century. Yeah. And I love Walk the Line. It's like such a perfect biopic, in my opinion. It's um, one of my favorites, yeah. But I wouldn't say I'd like him or would ever want to spend time with him, but I'm enjoying this run because he's he's sort of like such a force of nature. And I think he is like in some ways connected in the celebrity world, but also probably has a lot of enemies. So I'm kind of enjoying the like weird tension around his various wins and how the room seems to be uncomfortable when he gets on stage. So right, I'm, I'm really you, enjoying that. You thrive on awkwardness. Yes, so, I, love, I love awkwardness. So that's what you're responding to. But in terms of just being like, I find Joaquin... Phoenix is an appealing human. What I'm trying to say is, am I like alone on the I love Joaquin Phoenix? And I don't really find him an appealing human, but he's a okay. great actor. He is okay. a great actor. I love I love his work. That's fine. I I just wanted to know. I've you know been alone on it on the big pick, and that's okay. I am excited for him, I guess, and it's one of my weirdest interests. Other things that you were I interrupted you. You're excited, or you want other things from the Oscars? Um, I like it when someone either is effusive about their spouse or completely forgets their spouse. So one way or the other. So I'm okay. hoping for that. Like, you know, obviously there's the famous Hillary Swank, plus the Ben Affleck, marriage is hard. Like, let's get one of sure. those going. Yeah. That's something I'm hoping for. And I don't know. I just hope it's like an exciting show. Or maybe that's like asking for too much. But, you know, it's like it all comes down to this. After the Oscars, like all we have is fucking campaign and the election. So it's true. Let's make it count. Academy. Yeah. It's a it's a peak having famous people in a room situation. And we just don't have that many excuses anymore to put all of these famous people in the same room and have them interact with each other while there are cameras. It just doesn't happen anymore. The cameras get checked everywhere else. So we got to make the most of it. I guess I want a lot of good reaction shots. Yeah. You know, minimal seat fillers, maximum famous people interacting with each other. And... I would just like one one surprise or one person who actually gets really moved by the experience. I feel like especially in the actor categories, it, everything's been so predictable that everyone kind of is prepared. And I love that moment of like, oh, my gosh, you didn't know this was going to happen. Like the Olivia Coleman moment from last night last year was exciting. Number one, because we both love Olivia Coleman. And I and love the favorite. Great movie. And she is such a unique personality and gives great speeches, but I do also think that that was a genuine surprise. Like, there is the great Lady Gaga reaction of being like, oh, my God, because everyone thought that Glenn Close was going to win. And so you could watch Olivia Coleman like, working through that surprise in real time, and that's fun. You don't really get that many moments like that anymore. Totally. 
totally. I, I'm looking forward to it. We'll do a ringer dish uh, on Sunday night right mm-hmm. after. So, you know, and catch Amanda on the big pictures for actual movie talk. Lastly, before we go, we mentioned this, but it's actually not on our rundown. I just wanted to hit on Greta Gerwig's 73 cues. Okay. Um, there's nothing more underwhelming than a 73 questions on, with, on Vogue's YouTube channel than when it's not at the person's home. Like, Greta Gerwig just walks and drives around the Sony lot. And I understand yeah. that's maybe the only availability they had, that she had for them. But, like, that is not what I'm looking for in a 73 Qs video at all. My One of my favorites is Zac Efron's, and it's because it's, like, so weird. It's at his house, and Zac Efron's so weird. But, like, you really got a, you really got a taste of Zeph in that one. I don't feel like I learned anything about Greta. And I, I was, I'm mad about it. It does make you realize how much kind of downtime there is in the 73 Questions experience, like, while you're getting to the next question or while the person is thinking about an answer and or remembering their line, which it's really not clear to me which. And normally that's filled by looking at things in the home or in the setting. You're kind of getting a full experience. But when it is Greta Gerwig, uh, one of my favorite directors and someone who means a lot to me, but still, when it's just Greta Gerwig in a golf cart, you're kind of like, okay, let's, you know, let's move this. Let's keep this going. I want some some zippier stuff. It just takes a very long time. And I say that as someone who loves the Sony lot, one of the great old-timey movie lots. But it didn't even show, like, the good parts of lots. Yeah. It didn't even have her going down, like, fake New York, you know? It yeah. just was like, Greta Gerwig in a golf cart. It was really strange. I, you said this to me before the pod, but 73 Qs is kind of slipping. They got to step their game up and reinvent. I agree. It's just that the gimmick has kind of... The newness has worn off. Yeah. And you know what's coming. And I I thought, I think it's a great idea and they've gotten a lot of stuff, but there isn't, much like the Oscars, there's not a lot of surprise left. And it's, I agree. It's time to zhuzh it up. Well, we'll be back talking about that for movie analysis. Check out the big picture. And for celebrity analysis, check out Ringer Dish. We will be back next week as well. I'm Juliet. I'm Amanda. Thanks for listening. <laughs> 